I want to I just um, stretch you just a little bit here. I want you to turn to somebody around you and say, I have good news for you. Okay, there you go. And, and then I want, listen. Hey, wait a minute. <laughs> okay, listen. Now I want you to, to continue. Tell them what that good news is. I want you to tell them. You have perfect church attendance this year. <laughs> right? So far, anyway. How many of you have made New Year's resolutions? Just a few of you. How many of you have already broken them? Okay, yeah. Um, I heard a guy on the news the other day, one of the, the news reporters talking about that he was going to make New Year's resolutions, since, since we typically break them, Right? He said, I'm, gonna, I'm resolving that I am going to eat a lot of junk food as much as I want and gain 20 pounds this year. He said, then when I break it, it's going to be a good thing. <laughs> okay. So, uh, well, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we come to you and we, we do ask you to uh, speak to us as you've promised. We, we are going to open your word, Lord, and listen to you and apply it. And so I pray that your spirit would speak to us individually. Uh, as a church, that you be honored and glorified by our responses to you, even our heart's attitude as we listen. And I pray it in Jesus' name, amen. Well, it is really unusual to have a service on the very first day of the year. And it, it does remind us that you have an entire year laid out in front of you. Uh, that really you can make some decisions that will make a big, big difference. And I think it, it, it serves us well sometimes to stop and think, what, when I come to the end of 2017 and I look back on this year, am I going to be looking back and feeling happy and encouraged, feeling positive, or am I going to get there and feel disappointed, saddened, discouraged, disheartened? And really, how we experience the end of this year will be determined by the choices we make each and every day throughout this year. And I don't know about you, I'd much rather end up at the end of this year with the, the happy things, right? The positive things, I've grown, I'm encouraged, I'm stronger, I'm whatever, than the other. And so what we want to do today is look at a passage of Scripture where the Lord really challenges us about how we are living our lives. And if we take it to heart, we can end up glad when we look back over 2017 rather than really unhappy, disheartened, discouraged. And we're talking about one year, but really the choices we're making then each and every day, and we think about this year, becomes a lifetime, doesn't it, eventually? And so we're really talking about how we end this life, how we find ourselves standing before the Lord Jesus Christ and his evaluation of our life and what we experience there. And by the way, you know, he could return this year very easily. Now, there's some of you who may not know, you know much about that, uh, but the Bible says that Jesus Christ could return at any point. There are certain signs and things that would tell us that that might happen. One of the things is some of the things that go on in Israel. And there are things happening over there and even official United States policy and things going on, which we don't know exactly what all it means, but all we know is that these could be signs of the Lord's soon return. So that could happen this year. 
So we want to make choices and live our lives in such a way that whether he comes for us that way, whether our lives end this year for some reason, that could happen too. Or we make it to the end of the year that we don't have regrets, unnecessary regrets. So, so let's go to the Bible and, and take a look here. Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. And the Bible is there in the chairs. And if you don't have a Bible, we encourage you to pick one of those up and follow along. We are going to be on page 1,383. 1,383. Now, Hebrews 12 comes, not surprisingly, right after Hebrews 11. Uh, That's not a new revelation to you, probably. Hebrews 11, you're probably more likely to be familiar with, because in Hebrews chapter 11, it, it, it goes through this list of people who were uh, demonstrated faith in God. And every one of them believed something about God, and because they believed something, they did something. How, what they believed affected how they lived. And, and stories of how they trusted God and, and what he did in their lives. All right. And so that is the context coming into here. And by the way, it includes in that chapter some people who uh, also believed God and trusted him, and it did not go well outwardly for them. So they had to suffer because of their choices. But we come to the end of that chapter, and we start in verse no, or chapter 12 and verse number 1. And the author here says, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, referring back to these people, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, we want to walk our way back through here and make sure we understand what he's saying. But let's, let's start right there in the beginning. Therefore, we also. Don't you have a tendency to think of the people in the Bible like Abraham and, and maybe Jacob and Moses, um, some of these people that would be listed in uh, this chapter 11 of the, this sort of a faith hall of fame. Don't we view them as like real spiritual heroes? You know, people who are way up here in their relationship with God. I mean, am I the only one? We tend to view them that way and then there's us, right? That's the way we feel. But I want you to see right here, in this scripture here, he says, he just gets through talking about all of these people who by faith did this, by faith did that, by faith endured this, by faith suffered that, by faith honored and glorified God in their lives. And he says, therefore, we also, you and I ultimately are not any different than these people are. The, the, the heroes of the faith that we would think about, we're no different than them. The question is, will we make the choices that they made? Will we believe and do what they did? And this, this past scripture is saying, yes, that's what we need to do. We, us too. Uh, my um, grandson Tanner, uh, you know, it, it, he's getting more words and talking more, but he had his, his talking. Every time uh, that I know Matt would go to like take Hunter, the older one, and go do something, Tanner, me, 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 he, he, he wanted to go too. 
And now he's got a little clear on that, me too, me too. And then I remember one day we went over there and, and Matt was taking Hunter and Tanner. And Tanner was beaming and he wanted to tell Grandma and Grandpa, me too, me too. I'm coming. <laughs> Scripture saying, and this is what we need to take a heart. Chapter 11, people who believe God and did something. Me too. Me, me too. I, I want that to be me. Okay? So let's read on. Therefore we also, since we are so, actually, let me do, let's stop reading. Um, we have a metaphor here for life. That life is a race. And particularly the Christian life we're talking about here. The Christian life is indeed, it's a race to be run. And it would seem that we don't get to choose the course. Because look what it says here. Down toward the end of verse, of chapter, of, of verse number one. And let us run with endurance the race that is, that we choose. <laughs> no, the race that is set before us. We don't get to choose the course of this race. Uh, it's set before us by God. Now, an interesting thing about this race is it's the same for all of us, and yet it's unique to each of us. And that's not a contradiction here. It's the same for all of us in the sense of uh, that God has laid out where he wants us to go. He's given us his word. He's told us what is true, what we need to believe and act on, the principles, the commands, all of those things. And so as we run this race, all of those things are the same for all of us. And yet in our individual lives, because of, we have different people in our lives, we have different circumstances in our lives, that it's unique to each of us. And we need to be faithful, see, in running this race. So we don't get to choose the course it's set before us, and, but we do get to choose whether we run. We get to choose why we run, and we get to choose how we run. Because the, the challenge here is let us run. So you can say, no, I'm not gonna run. I'm not. But we need to choose to run. <laughs> Do you, do you want to get to the end of this year and, 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 and be looking back and thinking about your life as a Christian and saying, I didn't run? I'm, I'm, I'm no farther than I was a year ago. In fact, I'm slipped back. I'm behind. We need to run the race. And we need to run the race for the right reason. Because God has told us to. Right? He's called us. He's the one who's called us to run this race. We, like these people in chapter 11, we believe some things, don't we? We believe that there is indeed a God who created all things, a God who designed all things, a God who knows all things, knows how everything works, knows it perfectly, a God who is on a mission, sending his son into the world, reaching the world with the gospel of Christ. He's called us to be a part of that, and he says, let's run this race. So God has called us, and we ought to say, yes, Lord. I want to run this race. Do you know you've been designed to run this race? In Christ, you have been designed to run this race. So we can choose why we run this race. And then we get to choose how we run this race. And it says here, in the middle of verse one, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run. Um, <clears throat> I think we get the idea of running a race, right? Do you want to add weight when you're gonna go running? No, typically you want to 
take weight off. I mean, you know, if I said, oh, cool, hey, I'm going to go running here. This looks like a neat thing. Let me see here. And Travis, I'm unplugging this, okay? All right. Oops, get rid of the cord. I don't want to, don't like the cord. Let's see, what else can I take? Mark, set. That's foolish, isn't it? And uh, we would think if someone was actually doing it, we'd think, oh, they're just kidding, right? And if they weren't just kidding, we'd think they were. And so we, we're challenged to lay aside things. Why, why do you need to get rid of the weight? Think, why do you need to get rid of the weight? So you can run better, right? So you can run faster, so you can run longer, so you can run farther. And so when he's talking about removing the weight, setting aside the things that are weighty, he's talking about anything in your life that is going to slow you down from living the way the Lord would have you live. Anything that's going to prevent you from living the way the Lord wants you to live. Anything that is going to wear you out trying to do that. Anything that's getting in the way, anything. And by the way, can these be good things? They can be good things, okay? And he says, but those things you need to think about and let them go. You need to set them aside. And so if we're going to run this race, we need to look at our lives and start saying, wait, do I need this? Is this serving a purpose? You know, I've spent a lot of time and effort and resources on this. Is this really getting me where God wants me to go? And then he says, not only the weights, but the sin. He says something interesting about the sin. He describes the sin as sin that so easily besets us. Has anybody besides me noticed how easy it is to gain weight? And how much effort, focus, energy, attention takes to lose weight, right? And so, I mean, it's one of those things, you can, you can walk past all the, the, the goodies at somebody's party, you can walk past and gain three pounds. It seems like, right? And where did this come from? And I, I know what I'm talking about. He says that's the way sin is. It just comes easy. And we're not necessarily talking about big sins. And let me say to you, when I talk about big sins and little sins, I'm not talking about a difference in right or wrong. Sin is wrong, always. Sin is always an offense to God, against the holy God. Big sin, little sin, doesn't matter. You're sinning against God, okay? Saying that way. But there is a huge difference in how it impacts our lives. All right? And, and so whether we're talking about big sins or little sins, the idea is that, let me say this, you won't ever struggle with the big sins if you choose to struggle with the little ones. That make sense? In other words, the, the, that first sin, oh, and then you struggle with it and you, you I got to get rid of this. You know, see, we're running this race, right? We're getting rid of this. We're, we're not going to let it in our lives. And then it comes, it jumps on us again. And, and, and I don't know if it really jumps on us, but it seems like it, doesn't it? But it so easily besets us that we've got to keep doing it and keep doing it. Keep putting it off. Keep putting it off. Keep putting it off. And if we do that with the little sins, the big sins never come. And that's a good thing. But whether you've got big sins, little sins, in that sense, you need to be putting them off. By the way, did sin ever do anything good for you? Oh, it bought me some temporary pleasure. At what cost? 
You know, sin promises you the world, and what it delivers to the doorstep of your soul is rotting garbage and germs and death that will, germs that will kill you, produce death in your life. So that needs to go. The weight, the sin. And so we have to choose how we run this race. And by the way, you have been entered into the race whether you run it or not. The moment you receive Christ as Savior, you were entered into this race. And you've been called to run it by the Lord. And then we see this, that long or short, the, the race requires endurance. And I say long or short because we have no, you know, knowledge of how much longer we have to live. You know, it might be a little while and some people die young. We, we don't know. But whether it's long or short, it's going to require endurance because there is hardship in this race. Have you noticed that? Is life ever hard? Yeah, it is. Uh, some things I want to say about that, I think maybe it'll come later. Um, but we have to make a choice to endure it. It can't be, oh man, this is getting hard. I don't want to do this anymore. And, and it may very well be that following Christ produces hardship in your life. I mean, then there's the regular hardships of life, right? That every saved people and unsaved people experience alike, life's hardships. But then there are hardships that come because we're following Christ. Let's jump up into chapter 11 and just look at some of this. Let's, um, let's start in verse 35. It says, women received their dead, raised to life again. Okay, that's a positive thing. That's a great thing. They believed God and, and someone was raised from the dead. But then let's go on. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. Still others had trial of mockings and scourgings. Yes, and of chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two, were tempted, were, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They believed God. They followed God. And what came into their lives? Hardships. Sometimes following Christ produces hardships. And the reason you need to understand that is because if you don't, and you think, oh, this Christian life is so wonderful, and it is, and you're bumping along, and all of a sudden it gets hard. You say, wait a minute, this isn't what I signed up for. Yeah, listen, hardship is important. Hardship is valuable to you because what it does is it has a way of focusing your attention. It has a way of streamlining your life because you all of a sudden now start letting a lot of things go to deal with what really matters. And do you know that your experience of hardship may be actually God answering your prayers? Well, wait a minute, God, I don't know if I want to answer my, your prayer that way, my prayer that way, but now says, God says, look, this is the only way that you, I, I can answer your prayer. I, I, I want to do this. You've asked me that you would know me and that you would understand me and that your life would count and that you, you'd be able to make a difference in the lives of people around you. You need to go through this hardship with me and, and not only for you to change, and see, but also for others to see because I'm answering your prayer. You've asked me for this. And so he says, endure those hardships. Keep going through them. And then finally we see that Jesus enables us to run. 
And he also shows us how to run. Verse two, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. How did you come to know Christ as Savior? Didn't he work in your life? Didn't he bring someone to you to share the gospel with you? Didn't he work in your life through your circumstances to help you see your need? Didn't he bring you to that point where you understood the gospel and were able to respond? Didn't he? He's the author of your faith. Paul elsewhere wrote that uh, he who began this good work in you will be faithful to complete it. He's also the finisher of your faith. And so when you go to run this race, you're not running it on your own. The one who started you on the race is also the one who's going to bring you to the finish line. If you let him, you've got to cooperate. And, and so we, he enables to run, and then he shows us how to run. And, and it's just really important, I think, for us to look here in the middle of verse 2. He says, who for the joy that was set before him. In other words, he looked down the road and said, okay, here's where I'm going, and it's going to be worth it. It is worth it. This joy that was set before him of, of what he was going to accomplish. And you know what some of the joy is? It's me. It's you. It's us. And, and because of that, he says he did what? He endured the cross. He endured that hardship. And this is despising the shame. And that's always kind of a strange phrase. So I really dug down into that. And this word despise, um, one of the meanings, it's like the, the meaning number two means to consider something of no real value or significance. And so in the Bible, talk about if someone's hung on a tree, someone is crucified, right? It says that's a shameful, shameful thing. And so here's the Son of God experiencing this shameful, shameful thing. And it's like, I don't care. I don't care about that. The shame doesn't matter to me because of what I'm doing, right? Because of what I'm doing is so important and so valuable and going to be so worth it. I don't care what people think of me. Boy, we need to get to that place, don't we? Do you ever find yourself struggling to make a decision as a Christian because you're thinking, I don't know if I want to be that person. Have you ever thought that way? You've known some Christians, I don't want to be that person I don't want people to think. I don't want people to re react. I, we gotta run this race like Jesus and start saying, you know what? If I'm really following Christ, that doesn't matter to me. I'd love everybody to love me. But this is so important that if they don't, that doesn't matter to me. And here's the deal. When you make those choices that, by the way, do you notice living the Christian life is different? Being a Christian is different. You look at the world differently. You respond to circumstances differently. You treat people differently. You won't do things that other people will do. You will do things that nobody else will do. It's different. And people respond differently. Some people, you know, they don't like that. They don't want to see it because your light is shining into their darkness and showing them what they're like. They don't want to see it. But let me tell you this. There are some people who will be drawn to what they see because they see Jesus in you. And so we gotta learn to despise the shame. In other words, stop worrying about whether someone's gonna reject us or not. And by the way, don't we hate rejection? I hate rejection. Please don't reject me, okay? 
But we need to learn to say, no, following Jesus, running this race is more important than that. And then it says, he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. He finished the race. He's like the apostle Paul who says, I've, you know, I finished this race. I fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I, I did it. I did it to the end. And so when can you quit this race? When it gets quit for you. When your life ends or the Lord returns for us, that's when we quit this race. It's a lifelong challenge lived out day by day. And so, I want to make some applications of this for you here today. I want to do two things. One is I really want to try to encourage you about running the race. Okay? Here's what I want to say. That living like a Christian will be worth it. This is the idea of running the race. Living like a Christian. That's what we mean. Run the race like a Christian. Living life like a Christian. It will absolutely be worth it. If you go ahead and put that up, that'd be awesome. Living like a Christian will be worth it. So, because that's true, run the race. Run it. Make some determinations. It's not going to happen unless you decide to do it. And if you don't think, hey, I'm going to run this race today. I'm going to live for the Lord today. And I get up tomorrow. I'm going to do this tomorrow. And I'm making some plans about where I'm going this month, this year. I'm going to run the race. It will be worth it. And then remove the obstacles. It will be worth it to you to remove the obstacles. Now, I think we already get it. We've already kind of talked about the sin thing. And, and we know those need to go, right? Do we know that? The sin needs to go. If you know it's sin, it needs to go. But when he says lay aside every weight, these could be good things in our lives. And you really need to look at your life and start saying, what is preventing me from really running this race the way the Lord would have me to? Is it, is it this next house I'm working for? Because I need a bigger house. Well, do you need a bigger house? Do you really need a bigger house? Maybe you do. You know, maybe you say, we need a bigger place because we, we, we want to have some people over or we want to be able to have a missionary stay with us or, or we're going to use this to serve the Lord. But great, get it. Enjoy it. But if, if you're slave and working toward, I've got to get this house, maybe the first house or, or this bigger house or whatever, and that is pulling you away from focusing your time and your energy and your resources on serving the Lord, you probably need to say, wait a minute, this is a weight that's slowing me down and running this race. We could apply that to any possession, right? Your cars, anything. Um, here's the choice. I, let me just jump in with, you know, sometimes I wonder, should I say anything? Should I say, I'm just gonna jump in, okay? You guys all right with that? We'll see. <laughs> Marijuana is now legal. And I know they postponed it a little bit. But it's legal, it's going to be legal in our state. And I know what's going to happen is Christians are going to begin to make the same arguments about marijuana that they've always made about alcohol. Why it's okay and why this, that, that. I'm just telling you, don't. Just don't. That would be a weight that will encumber you in running this race. And I, I'd even encourage you to rethink your alcohol use. Weights, whatever you can think in your life that might get in the way of me serving the Lord. Okay, whatever it is. All right, so, but it will be worth it to do that. I guarantee when you come to the end of the year, you come to the end of your life, you will never regret anything that you gave up to follow the Lord. You won't. Jesus talks about that. 
right? Then it will be worth it to endure the hardships, okay? They're going to come, and, and you need to know it. It will be worth it to endure them. Just keep going. Cry out to your brothers and sisters around you. It'll be worth it. And then it will be worth it to ignore the rejection. That's what we talked about a little bit ago, right? We really got to get over this. Well, I don't, if I follow Christ that way, I'm going to become one of those people. And I don't want to become one of those people. Well, just break your fingers so you can't do this anymore. Put your finger, though, whoever those people are. I am one of those people. And don't misunderstand me, I, I struggle with the same thing you do there. I don't want to be one of those pastors. <laughs> it's normal. But we need to be willing to follow Christ regardless of what anybody else thinks. It will be worth it. That's what I want you to see. It will be worth it to you. Now, so I just made this a big appeal, and rightfully so, to tell you it will be worth it to you. This will be good for you. It will be a benefit to you in your life. But let me say something. I think that, that we, in our church to some extent, but we certainly in our, our modern Christianity, have turned Christianity into some sort of a, almost a self-help approach to life. In other words, why would I do these things that God says? Well, I do them because they make my life better. That's the wrong reason. That's the benefit of doing it for the right reason. And the right reason is because the God of the universe, the one who sent his son to die for you, has told you to do it. That's the right reason, isn't it? And, and we love him. We ought to love him and, because he loved us and, and then let that love compel us to, to live the way that he wants us to live. And so what I really want to do is also challenge you now. I want to encourage you and I also want to challenge you to, to, to really examine how you're looking at your life. Because here's what happens. If you're looking at your life as saying, okay, I will do this because it, it makes my life better. And then when all of a sudden the hardship comes and your life ain't better, well, you quit because the reason isn't working anymore. But if you're doing it because you're serving a God who deserves to be glorified, he deserves to be honored, he deserves to be obeyed, oh, that'll keep you going forever. And so I want you to do this this year. Today, tomorrow, and all this year, and hopefully the rest of your life. Make your life about the Lord Jesus Christ. Go ahead and put that up. Make your life about the Lord Jesus Christ. It's, in other words, when, when I talk about it, the Bible tells us that husband and wife are supposed to love and respect each other, right? And if you will love each other and respect each other and, and apply those principles, life gets easier. It really does. But I want to tell you, that's not sufficient reason. You need to do that and work on your marriage relationship because God intends for you to glorify him in that relationship. He intends to be seen in that relationship. And when you put that first and you work on this relationship, then guess what? You experience the benefits. Now, I don't know if I've, if I lost you guys here. Are you getting it? The idea is we need to do these things for the right reason because Jesus is Lord. 
And he deserves to be honored and glorified in my life. And when I do that and live by his word for those reasons, I do experience the blessings. It is better. Hardships too. Okay. So here's what I want to challenge you then. Make your life about the Lord Jesus Christ. Run toward him. Follow him. Okay? Follow him in your life. You know, you ought to be able to answer anything. If, if we saw your life, we would say, why are you doing that? And there ought to be some way that you can say, I'm doing this because I'm following Christ. Why, why are you going to work? Because I'm convinced that this is what God has given me to do at this time. So I'm following Christ and doing this. Why did you quit your job? Well, because I realized I couldn't follow Christ and do this job. You see what I mean? Follow him because he's him. And then, second thing, run um, like Jesus. That's the example. He's our example. In other words, become more like him. And, And this involves you on purpose starting to think, well, how does the Lord see things? I need to see things that way. And you're gonna have to get in his word to do that. You're going to have to, on purpose, spend time in his word and, and uh, talk to him about it and, and, and meditate on it. It's going to start to change the way you think. It's going to change your heart about things. You'll become more like him in that way. You'll make decisions that show his character. And so you become more and more like him. But another way, you have to, something else you have to do to become more like him is not only spend time with him in his word, you have to spend time with him on purpose with his people because he is in his people, he is in us. And when two or three of us are gathered together, he's there in a special way. We're gathered together for his purposes. And so you have to be connected with a group of Christians that you are on purpose living your Christian life out with. Maybe you're already in a group like that and and it's awesome. This is not just let's watch the Patriots game together group. Although you can do that. This is a group, no, we're coming together because we're Christians. We're going to talk about our relationship with the Lord and what's his word say and how we, we're going to pray for each other and we're going to serve one on purpose. And if you're already a part of something like that, awesome. If you aren't, you need to be, if, or you aren't going to be able to come like the, become like the Lord like you want to. And that's our life group starting up again soon. What a great opportunity for you. That's a, a built-in place for you to do that. So one way or another, you need to get that. And then draw closer to him. This is run with him. You don't run this race alone, so draw closer to him. And this is about becoming aware of his presence in your life. It's not just something I believe or have out here. No, no, Jesus is with me. And I think this is sort of caught up in that phrase that we've all heard from the scripture, pray without ceasing, to where more and more my thoughts, I have an awareness that Jesus is present with me. And so it's not just me going and doing this, it's us going and doing this. And, and that makes me start to think, wait a minute, is this us going and doing this or is this just me? But becoming very mindful of this. And, and when we run into someone who is just so close and intimate and a personal relationship with Jesus, they are those people that we look at and say, wow, they are spiritual. And that's what I'm talking about. I don't know what spiritual means to you, but I'm talking about someone who is just filled with the Lord because they're walking so closely with him. Become that person. And you can do that. Just continue these things we're talking about. Draw close to him. Talk with him. Meditate on his word. And then finally, run for him. Make your life count for Christ. 
Do you understand that you have nothing else that you absolutely need to accomplish today other than honor and glorifying the Lord? Well, I need to eat. (laughs) Well, probably you don't. But the idea is this. If I have to choose between eating today or, or honoring and glorifying the Lord and making my life count for Him, easy choice. If I have to choose between making sure I get home to watch the Patriots game today or honoring and glorifying the Lord in some way, easy choice. My life has to count for Him. Your life needs to count for Him. And you need to be willing to make whatever changes need to be made for that to be a reality, whatever. So my encouragement to you is that it will be worth it to live your life like a Christian. And my challenge to you today is to make your life about the Lord Jesus Christ. Run the race the way the Lord has told us to to run it. I'm going to ask our our worship team to come back up because we're going to finish off this sermon today with a response, hopefully from our hearts, with a song. And we'll end our worship service with this. Let's respond to the Lord. The song is fully devoted. And that's where we want to live our lives because He is Lord and honor Him in that. So let's all stand together. And we'll sing this together.